to the sports edition of the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Monday morning as we dive into some of the biggest and hottest topics of the weekend. And there was a lot of them considering this past weekend was rivalry week in college football. And then we had some news that was going on in the NFL. But outside of just the crazy weekend we had in college football, we got some coaching shakeup that's been going around around the country just in some big spots. We have Florida, Oklahoma, just a lot of craziness going on in college football. And that's why we love the sport. There's just so much that goes on constantly. It's basically become, I mean, a sport outside of just on the on the field. It's, I mean, coaching crowds, it's recruiting. I mean, just anything you can think of, it happens in college football, and that's what's so fun about it. It just anything can happen at any given time, on or off the field, and it just keeps things exciting, keeps things fresh, and that's why we keep coming back to it. And that's also why it's one of my favorite topics to to talk about, and that's why we talk about it so much here. And I mean, we like other sports as well and we definitely do talk about them but when college football is going on it's definitely our number one concern for the time being but with that said though we are going to look at look into two games from the NFL and then we'll jump into the college football craziness that's going on and things just like I said just starting to heat up all over the place getting close now to the college football playoff like the reveal of what the the four teams that'll be in the playoff will be coming up, and that's just becoming crazier and crazier with some of the the wins and losses that we're getting. Just so much unexpected stuff is happening. Every time we think we get a clear picture, something else is taking place. And then on the NFL side, it's just been a lot of teams that have having some very tough up and downs. We've seen where teams have come out offensively, done a good job, and then all of a sudden their defense doesn't perform well like they need them to to be able to get the win or vice versa just so just some teams having trouble just staying consistent and that's been a, kind of a similar case all year and just a lot of sports we've seen so many teams that that get high and then they drop low and then either they pick themselves up or they stay low and it's just been kind of just very interesting all around from so many different so many different angles and that's just the the story here when you look at this Titans Rams game that's one of the ones not Titans Rams excuse me the Rams and Packers game that took place today and it's just for the Rams they I mean they started out seven and two and which was a great start have that new look offense there and uh just I mean haven't really been able to get back on track they start yeah started out seven and two earlier on they've now dropped two straight they've actually dropped three straight now so they started out seven and one at one point it's just been a very, very bad uh, stretch for them. And I think a lot of it just hinges on how their offense has been very shaky. So they're not getting some help there. But at the same time, though, their defense in this week's matchup against the Packers kind of failed them. And it failed them in some ways. But at the same time, though, I just feel like a lot of the blame for their situation has to go back on the offense. And it, the, the blame really goes right on Matthew Stafford's shoulders. He comes in there from his time during Detroit, goes over to – LA now they're excited they think they got this good team and they do have a good team they just got to figure their stuff out and just three straight weeks now within those three losses that they've had we've seen Matthew Stafford throw a pick six and this one it really came back to haunt them because you take away seven from this matchup against in the with the Packers I mean you're it's a 28-29 game it's a totally different ball game one point game and here it's a it's an eight point game so I mean that one versus eight that's a very very big difference one's a field goal game one's not so I mean just over the course of the week, I mean, you had it where it was the Titans-Rams game uh, two weeks ago. We saw where they where he threw two, and they were back-to-back. One of them was a pick six. So, I mean, we saw it then. And then last week against the 49ers, they could just not get anything going. So, then this week, their offense shows up, does a good bit better. That pick six hurts them, obviously, a good bit. But at the same time, though, their defense gives up a total of 29. So, I mean, 
the week that your defense doesn't show up, your offense shows up, and then the week your your offense doesn't show up, your defense shows up, and that's what I'm talking about. Just so much inconsistency from them, and it's really hurt them. And they're trying; they're going to have to get back on track, and they'll have a good opportunity next week. They play against the Jaguars next week, and as we know, they're they've played awful this year, one of the bottom teams in the NFL. So they should be able to get back on track, but they're going to need that quick because they got some matchups that are coming up that they're going to need to to play well in if you look at their schedule they got the cardinals the week after so that's going to be a big matchup and then of course they got a couple of other lower tier teams that are that'll come along that they should have a chance to be able to get some more wins off of but you want to get back on track that's a good one to get back on track with get your offense going get your defense performing well consistently and they'll be all right so what we're sitting here looking at for this matchup though the packers just able to take advantage of some turnovers they ended up, I mean, turning the ball over a couple of times just outside of that. So that's a that's a, been a big key just in this week looking at this and the other matchup we're about to talk about but has just been turnovers. We've seen so many teams turn the ball over, and it's cost them games. We've seen it in college. We've seen it in the NFL. And turnovers is just a surefire way to be able to lose your team a game. And so you want to lose a game, turn the ball over quick. So, I mean, that's what we saw in this one. They end up having a total of three turnovers to the Green Bay's one. One of those went for a pick six. So you lose the turnover battle, you're already in the hole. So two other turnovers outside of that one from, from Matthew Stafford. So just not a good look. So looking at the other game I was talking about, though, turnovers also playing a big role in that one. And this one's going to be this, uh, pull it up real quick, waiting for it to load. There we go. Got the Patriots and the Titans. This one was where just basically the Titans could not get out of their own way. They end up having a total of four turnovers in this matchup. Just once again, they had they had good production from their running back from their running back group, which has been which has been very good for them considering they lost Derrick Henry earlier in the year. That's a lot of what their offense stems from. So it was good to see them get that production. We saw where they had two guys that ran for a hundred yards total. You had Hilliard and Foreman. Both have over 100 yards apiece. I mean, Hilliard averaging 10, 10, almost 11 yards a carry, had a touchdown. What was disappointing in this is what hurt them. We saw where Ryan Tannehill did not play his best game, had 93 yards passing. He's 11-21, so not very, not very accurate, I guess you'd say. And he had the one turnover as well. So then you compound that with three other fumbles. It just ended up biting them in the butt. And you can't do that against a team like the Patriots right now. The Patriots are just firing offensively so well. And that has a lot to do with with Mac Jones being there running that offense. And it seems very Brady-esque in what we saw with Tom Brady there. And so now you see it where they got that type of quarterback system there now once again. He's just so efficient. I mean, he was 23 of 32 310 yards passing, two touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, did a fantastic job. Got a little bit of help from his running back crew back there with Stevenson and Harris both going for over, a little over 40 yards. So, I mean, that's that's a real good job. And then you just – I mean, you can go down the receiving list for New England when you look at this game and just see the – I mean, how it was just – the ball was just spread around. You had Myers with five receptions, Bourne with five receptions, Bolden with four, Smith with three – Algahors with three, Henry with two, Harris with one. I mean, you just see how he spreads it around so much. And, I mean, guys are getting 98 yards, 61, 54, 49. And it's not, so it's not like he's just having one guy carrying. I mean, he is spreading the ball around and playing a total team offense, and he's doing such a masterful job as a rookie quarterback. 
in that system, and we've been able to see them just completely. That offense has just vamped up completely. They had 36 this week, 45 the week before, had 24. I know that doesn't seem very high, but when you consider that the Panthers have one of the better defenses in the NFL, that's good. They had 27 against the Charter, 54 against the Jets. So, I mean, we've seen them turn around where they've where they've won basically one, two, three, four, five, five straight weeks now. So you go from being their record – just a couple of weeks ago, being three and four to now sitting here at eight and four. That's a big, big turnaround. That's exactly what you want to see from them. And uh, just the progression that they're continuing to have. And if they continue on this trend, their defense is playing playing well outside of that, that couple hundred yards they gave out in that, that rushing group from uh, from the Titans. They can clean that up a little bit, and their defense can, can be a little bit more consistent and Mac Jones continues to progress because right now he's not even playing like a rookie quarterback. He's playing like a veteran quarterback. That's exactly what you want. And if he can continue to play that way, well, play that way, and the defense can continue to pick it, pick up their slack, and play a little bit better. I mean, you could possibly see them make a little bit of a run towards towards the end of the playoffs, and that would be very interesting. Just one year with a whole new system there in New England, considering that, they, that after the year they had last year with Cam Newton, just. Just not a good look last year, the first year after Brady left. So they can uh, they could possibly make some noise. So just some good stuff going around in the NFL. So that's that was a couple of good matchups there that I wanted to highlight this week. We'll obviously have more for you. We will get more into the NFL once the college football season ends. So coming up here soon. It's not too long. I mean, we've only got really. We'll talk about. We'll have a a college football preview show for this weekend for the conference championships. And then we'll have a bowl breakdown for all some of the bowl games, some of the biggest bowl games that we like to break down a lot of the new year's six ones. And then we'll have a special episode just for the playoff. And then for the national championship, there's, a, there's only a couple of more things we can really highlight when it comes to college. So we'll be getting more into the NFL and then we'll be getting more into after the NFL, we'll be getting more into the NBA. Cause it just really just depends on when stuff's really heating up. And considering that college football is only in this small little season where you only really have 12 13 14 weeks of play you really want to get as much in as you can because the nfl stretches from a lot farther and the nba stretches basically almost nine months out of the year so that's why we primarily hit it that much also because we like it so much so and it's just fun i know a lot of people like it as well down here in the south where i'm at it's the the talk of everywhere you're at i mean everyone's talking about did you see the big game last week did you see this did you see that so that's what everyone's you know talks about down here that's something that i've i've come to enjoy for a long time as college football so that's why we talk about it as much as we do but looking at some of the matchups that happened this week we had some good ones and just looking at it some of the games we highlighted real quick and then we'll get into some ones that we didn't highlight but this one right here had Penn State and Michigan State. Michigan State finally found some offense, and their defense was still not the best. But, I don't know, Penn State, their offense has been kind of up and down, and we thought that would be better with Sean Clifford coming back. I mean, he obviously wasn't terrible. He was 313 for three touchdowns, so he wasn't bad at all. But Michigan State was finally able just to find a little bit more offense. And that's the problem with Penn State. It's kind of just been all year. They really can't find a way to get outside, get over that hump of 30 points. If they could, they could, they could have won a lot of games. But the problem is they keep getting constrained right there with that 20-point total just right in between their 20s and 30s. There was a point where they didn't even get over the 30-point the mark for like five or six straight weeks at one point. And you just can't have that during the middle of the season, especially when you're playing the type of schedule that they're playing, some of the teams that they're playing. I mean, you can just look at the Ohio State matchup. They gave Ohio State everything that Ohio State wanted to, I mean, could handle. 
and they ended up losing by nine because you really couldn't get outside of that 20-point range. You got stuck at 24 and just really couldn't put any more on the board. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if the offense just gets stuck after that. I mean, it just doesn't really make much sense. But for Michigan State, they got their first 10-win season at the end of the regular season that they've had in the last couple of years. Very well-deserved uh, contract extension for Mel Tucker where he signed that huge deal. So he'll be around there for a while. And so, I mean, it helps when you got good players like, like Kenneth Walker. Peyton Thorne was better in this one. He was more efficient, had some more down-the-field passes, which is, to me was very surprising because, the, I mean, one, the environment of it, you could look at this, it almost looked like a, like a blizzard there at the, at the game. I mean, it wasn't quite that bad. But, I mean, the field was covered in snow. It was freezing cold. He was able to air it out a little bit, get 268 yards, two touchdowns. It took 30 carries just for Kenneth Walker to get to 138 yards. So it's kind of interesting to see how that was reversed. No one really ran the ball that well, but both quarterbacks threw the ball well. So that was kind of interesting to see. But they got some offense finally. They were finally able to get on the board. So you'll see Michigan State around, I'm sure, hanging around the top ten for a while. Mel Tucker's done an incredible job there in just two years. And he's going to continue to do that. I think you'll see Michigan State be better at recruiting as well. And you have to be if you're going to be able to compete with teams like Ohio State and Michigan and some of the Penn State up there in the Big Ten. You're going to have to be better. So I think they'll do that. Mel Tucker deserves that contract extension he got. But congrats to Michigan State closing out their season strong at 10-2. and two. They can, They'll find themselves at a very, very good bowl game So with that. And uh, we'll see where they end up at the the college football playoff rankings because obviously they won't play for a Big Ten title. But we'll see where they're at in the final at the end of the regular season playoff rankings. But uh, some other games down the list. We'll get into some some of these other big ones here in a second. But let's see the second game we had highlighted in our preview and prediction. We had Oklahoma number ten Oklahoma at number seven Oklahoma State and this was a real good game if you if you kept up with it stayed up late um, it didn't come on too late but it came on late enough for some people may have been going to bed or been too busy with it being just the type of weekend that it was but turned into a very very good game in the end because at one point it just seemed like Oklahoma was gonna take control they were gonna win I mean they were up late it started the fourth quarter they were up 33 24 two possession game and at that point they had 33 already through three quarters against a Oklahoma State defense that has been exceptionally good this whole entire year defending against the rush against the pass I mean they've done everything you want for a uh, I mean for a defense but and this one, it just was very uncharacteristic for them, especially up to three quarters. They had given up, I mean, 33 points at that point. They gave up a total in this game. They gave up 441 yards. They got 252 passing, 189 rushing. And that was the thing that got me. I was not expecting that. They looked very uncharacteristic of themselves, very out of sorts. I don't know if it was just the hype of the game. I don't know if it was something. I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma obviously runs some different stuff, some very tough stuff with Lincoln Riley there, which we will get into his situation here shortly. But... They ran. I mean, they obviously run some stuff that's a little bit different. But I mean, to still give up 189 yards rushing, that was very surprising considering they were only giving up like roughly about 80 a game before this. So that's I mean, that's a hundred point difference. So I mean, a hundred yard difference. So a big. That's a very big deal. But we, like I said, we saw Oklahoma go into the fourth quarter with a 33-24 lead. We're sitting here looking at it and. It looks like Oklahoma's going to win this. They're going to play Oklahoma State next week again for the Big 12 championship. And then they just 
fell apart. I mean, it was it looked like Oklahoma that we had seen all year. The first three quarters, it looked like a different Oklahoma team that we hadn't seen all year. All of a sudden, fourth quarter hits, their offense goes cold, their defense does not help them out whatsoever, and then they turn around and blow the lead. Oklahoma State scores a late touchdown, ends up winning the game 37-33. to They advance to the Big 12 championship where they will play Baylor, which should be a very good matchup with two teams with two good defenses. Uh, offenses that are kind of, they're getting better. They're not the best, but we'll obviously have a preview of that matchup. But for this one, I mean, it was just very surprising to see Oklahoma like that end up blowing that lead to Oklahoma State. I mean, that's very uncharacteristic. We've seen where Oklahoma has owned this matchup over the last couple of years. And it just goes along, though, with how Oklahoma's been this season. They've been very up and down. You've been wondering which team you're going to get. Are they going to be able to score? Is their defense going to play well this week? And it kind of just all hit at once. Their offense started playing good, and then they completely fell apart. And their defense was playing good, and then their defense completely fell apart. So, and how I, I just talked about it in the preview and prediction, even before this whole matchup even happened, we saw where their defense was only was playing better. They were only giving up roughly in the mid twenties, which is good for Oklahoma. O- Oklahoma's defense, who has played terribly over the last couple of years, they played a little bit better during the stretch. If they could have held. Oklahoma State to that mid-20s where they were at 24, they would have been able to win this game, but they were not able to. So, I mean, you basically see where things, I mean, flipped. You saw their offense go cold, though, and then their defense could not get a stop. So it kind of just reared its head after all the inconsistency. It just hit all at one point, and it cost them their season. So now you're out of the college football playoff race with two losses because you don't have that, that week 13 or that conference championship week to be able to compete and be able to potentially give you that 13th game to push you over the edge. And, I mean, we didn't think that was going to be the case anyways, even with two losses they had lost before this, because I just don't see a two-loss team really sneaking in unless things get really crazy this weekend. But to lose this close, not get to the conference championship end of the season, that's pretty much it for them. And because of that, we saw Lincoln Riley decide to move on to USC and – I don't know, that one was very surprising because everyone was talking about with Lincoln Riley, we thought it was going to be LSU. Some people were, I mean, I didn't personally think, a lot of people were thinking it was going to be LSU. That was the chatter. He was getting talked about for forever. Just And then just last night, he was asked about it again. If he was going to be the head coach at LSU, he said no. And he said, I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. And then just the next morning we hear, or this next afternoon, we hear that he has decided that he has moved on to USC. And that's just after five seasons where he won four Big 12 titles, won a coach of the year, been to the college football playoff multiple times. They never were able to get over the hump, never got outside of the semifinals. So he just decides to move on. I don't know if he just finally thought that he peaked at Oklahoma. There was nothing else for him to really be able to do, but... He decided he wanted something different. And to me, it's not the worst fit for him, if you ask me, because the Pac-12 is going to be all about scoring. There's hardly any defense there. I mean, the best defense you got is Oregon, and they're still not like the world beaters of the of the world. But the defense there is basically non-existent. He's ne- he hasn't been good about picking a defensive coordinator, but he can put an offense together. And then you go to USC, where a lot of people want to still go, even though they haven't been that great. And then now you put a name in there like Lincoln Riley, who's been able to recruit, who's been able to get some some good players. 
it kind of can turn things around there at USC, and it also just presents another challenge, keeps him hungry, because it just kind of seems like he just got stagnant there at Oklahoma. I mean, it was the same thing. You go and you win, you win the Big 12, you stay there, you keep winning games, you get to the playoff, and then you can't get over that hump. So, I mean, the question is, will he be able to get over that hump at USC? I don't know, but it, to me, it can kind of give him a better opportunity with that, though, because I just feel like more people, are, more recruits are willing to go to USC than they are Oklahoma. Uh, and I mean, that just goes to the history that USC has had over the years. They've been a very well-known, they've been a very well-known program. And, I mean, Oklahoma has been as well, but they've just been more historically well-known at USC with football. So you have that, you have that California appeal there. I think you'll just see more people flock there. And so I think that's what you'll see happen. I think that's what he thinks is going to happen. So that's why he moved on. It was just shocking, though. I mean, it was just like the day after. I mean, he informs his staff that they decided he's decided he's moving on and he's going somewhere different. And uh, if anywhere, everyone thought it was going to be LSU. I mean, I didn't personally think he was going. I thought he was just going to stay because, I mean, the situation has been good there. He's been able to win. I mean, no one's really questioned his his job I guess you wait his job situation there at Oklahoma. Even even after this loss, I mean, he would have just stayed. And the question I have though is, if they win this game last night, do does he stay around? I don't know because apparently there's been word going around that after the Baylor loss that they had, the first one, that stuff kind of just went downhill at with the staff, kind of went downhill with the players, and. I mean, it kind of you could kind of see that their play never really picked up. This one, I mean, they just fell apart here at the end. It don't, it didn't really look like they believed in themselves, and so you kind of just hit your your peak, like I said. And so things kind of just went downhill. He decided to, you know, it's done over with. My time's here. I can't really do much more here, and that's true. I mean, I don't know how much more he could do. I mean, he could win a national championship, but this was supposed to be the team there at Oklahoma. I mean, he had everything you could want there, according on paper to start the season. They start out number two. They got the offensive players. They got the Heisman ca- uh, candidate with Spencer Rattler, which that turned out to be a huge bust. The defense was supposed to be better this year, supposed to be playing better. I mean, overall, at number two, so many people thought they were really going to challenge Alabama this year, who is number one in preseason rankings. And then you see it just completely go downhill over the course of the season. I mean, even before this, even before their two losses, outside of their two losses, we just saw how much they struggled. They play a team like Texas, who end up going 5-7 and seven to end the year, and it took a major comeback with Caleb Williams coming in off the bench to create some offense for them even to win that game. And then other games, we saw it against West Virginia. We saw it against Iowa State. They barely just pulled out wins. They didn't look convincing whatsoever. Sometimes it was their offense taking over. Sometimes it was their defense and they just really weren't able to, I mean, in the end, it just came back to bite them all in this one game. So he moves on. Bob Stoops is supposed to fill in as the interim head coach, which is interesting considering that he was a former coach there. And so now he'll come in, fill in for this bowl game, and we'll see who they pick up after that. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a candidate again because that name's been thrown around a couple of times at some different locations, like Florida was one of them. Um, LSU slightly had been mentioned of him going there. So, I mean, potentially Oklahoma could look at him again. I don't know. Just this going to be kind of hard to see who they get because Lincoln Riley goes to USC, and then we'll get into this one at the at the end of the college football segment. But 
where we saw Billy Napier go to Florida, he'll take over there. So basically, the hottest names in the market are already gone. And then you got LSU still looking for a coach as well. They'll probably pick up whoever's next best, and then Oklahoma will probably get whoever's left over. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Stoops end up sticking around there for longer than just an interim job, just because I mean this isn't really the off season for coaches. We haven't seen much coaching turnover. This is probably the biggest stuff that we'll see. We've seen a lot more coaches signing extensions like Mel Tucker, James Franklin. Um, I'm sure, I mean, Kirby will probably get one in the offseason. Saban's there at Lockdown in Alabama for forever. I mean, we've seen a lot of play, a lot of coaches get extensions instead of moving around. So you're not going to see too much turnover when it comes to that. But So that was a very interesting game there. Next game up, we're going to talk about this one real quick. Because, to be honest with you, it was supposed to be the biggest game of the week, and it still was just the weight it carried. But outside of just the weight it carried, it really wasn't It wasn't the greatest game. I mean, the conditions obviously played a factor, too. It snowed there. It was cold there as well. But Michigan just absolutely manhandled Ohio State in this matchup. I mean, they ran roughshod all over them. We saw them rack up a total of 279 yards rushing. They were averaging seven yards a carry against a Buckeyes defense that a lot of people at the end of the season had thought improved. And I tried to warn people before this matchup even took place. I said it was going to be close. I thought it would be close and Michigan would lose just because I thought Ohio State's athletes would take over. That wasn't the case. Like I said, I don't know if it was the conditions or whatever, but it also has a lot to do with Michigan's defense. Michigan defense is very, very good, but they held Ohio State to 64 yards rushing, which is they you have to have balance. They had no balance whatsoever. C.J. Stroud played well but this just wasn't enough in the end, especially when you just give up 279 yards rushing. You had six total touchdowns all rushing for the Wolverines, and they just went in there and absolutely dominated at the line of scrimmage. That offensive line is one of the best in college football, if not the best. Uh, they just look so good. They create holes. Haskins was able to run all over the place. I have it 169 yards total rushing, five touchdowns, and some people are trying to throw his name in there for the Heisman candidate now. Uh, which, I mean, is good. I mean, he's had a good season overall, but I don't I mean over one, over one game like this, I don't know if you throw it in there. I think to me at this point, Bryce Young has it locked up. Um, so I I'm, would be surprised if anyone else wins. But just this game, it was just very uncharacteristic. Ohio State, just I say uncharacteristic. It's just kind of... It was uncharacteristic and they were not able to get rushing yards, but it wasn't uncharacteristic from their defense. We had saw it before. We saw it when they played. I mean, just... Just so many other teams where they were able, they just gave up so many points over the course of the season. It was earlier in the year we saw them where they end up losing to Oregon. They got 35 on them. The defense was the whole cause in that one. And then you saw where they got 20 to Tulsa. And they had a couple of games where it seemed like their defense really turned it around. But then we saw other ones where Penn State was able to get 24. Purdue was able to get 31, and everyone at that point was still sitting here. Ohio State is, you know, one of the top teams in the country. Well, yeah, their offense looked that, but I still had questions, and I even said this in the preview prediction. I still had questions about their defense and how well their defense was going to play, especially when they met up with a with a capable offense. And then you factor that in with Michigan having a good defense as well. It becomes really, really tough, and that played out in this matchup. So. It's just what I said at the beginning of the year, mid mid of the year. I mean, ever just since the beginning, I felt like this year was just going to be the year of defenses. Defenses were finally going to make a return. And it's a, it has a lot to do with 
personnel, but at the same time, that has a lot to do with, I mean, you've seen where this type of passing attack, this spread offense has finally been able to be seen for a couple of years now over the last three or four years. Coaches have finally been able to sit down, diagnose what they need to do, and you're not going to be able to fully stop it. There's going to be times where teams are still going to be able to get 30, 40 points on you, but your job is to try and hold them as low as possible. So if you can hold them to, I mean, say 27, like Michigan did, and you got a decent offense, you feel good about your chances. And so that's what you're looking to do. Michigan did a good job in this one. Uh, We saw a lot of drop balls, though, from Ohio State in this one. I saw a couple of different times where you would see some of their receivers would normally catch the pass that was thrown to them, but they just dropped it and they whiffed on it. So, I mean, that was, like I said, I think some of the weather conditions played a factor. But overall, I mean, it was just Michigan handling business on both sides of of the ball. And because of that, Michigan's going to play for the Big Ten Championship. They'll play Iowa in that matchup. And that, to me, is not really, I don't think it'll be much of a matchup. I mean, Iowa's physical as well, but they don't have the offense to be able to compete. So unless their their defense just plays the best game that they've played all year, I think Michigan should be able to win that handily, and that'll put them in the playoff. I think they'll start they'll play in the playoff with the number two seed. To me, I got them moved up to the number two slot in my top twenty five rankings just because of how well they played. They played so well against that offense, and I mean, just the whole season they played well. Outside of that little slip up against Michigan State, I mean, they've beaten everyone they were supposed to. I mean, it, even in that matchup against Michigan State, they were up. I mean, up big in that second half, and they just blew it down the stretch, which was a surprise. But, I mean, Michigan State's offense obviously just shows that at times they can turn it on when they want to. But for that one, I mean, just that was just a, I mean, a fluke game, I guess you could say. But outside of that, they took care of business against everyone that they were supposed to. They got one of the better defenses in the country. The offense played great in this one. Now my question is, when their rush attack gets slowed against the team that they're going to play in the playoff, whether that's Cincinnati, whether that's Georgia, whether that's, I mean, fill in the blank, Oklahoma State, if Oklahoma State plays a better game than what they did against Oklahoma. However it shakes out in the playoff, I mean, whoever they play is going to have a better defense than Ohio State has in this matchup. So if your rushing game gets slowed, can Cade McNamara, can he be able to take over a game and be able to win it for you? And there was a lot of times in this game where he didn't play bad in this one, in this whole matchup. He played decent. I mean, he was 13-19. and 19. He was efficient, 159 yards. But you take away that rushing offense, and that's pretty much all you get. If you, Even if you cut that in half, I don't know if you win against a team that can slow you down by about half. And then that's all he's giving you. Because, I mean, he had one interception, and there was a couple of times it was just like, where are you throwing? I mean, even that one interception that he had, it was in a triple coverage. We saw that the man was triple coverage. I mean, you couldn't even see the guy. There was guys all over him. So it's just going to be interesting. They play a team like that. Is their offense going to be able to produce enough? And will their defense be able to hold up against a team that's going to play ground and pound? Because some of these other teams that you're going to play, they're not going to have the spread offense. They're going to have a similar style to you. Can your defense hold up for four quarters? Because when you're not getting physically abused at the line, it's easier to continue to get pressure over the course of the game. But when you are getting abused, you get tired, you wear down. Do they have the depth? I mean, those are just some of the questions you have to wonder about. So for now, though, because of how well they've done, what they've done, I test just off of this stuff. They are my number two team. The question is, though, does that hold up in the playoff? I don't know. So we're just going to have to wait and see because they've really only come on here the last couple of weeks of the season with their offense playing a little bit better. So be interesting to see. But other matchup this week that we're going to talk about, really this is the last one we're going to look at real quick, was this Alabama and Auburn game that no one absolutely saw coming whatsoever. 
Alabama came into this, and so many people thought this was just going to be a – I mean, the spread was 20 points in this game. People thought Alabama was going to go in and get a cakewalk. I did, too, myself. I didn't think Auburn was going to play that well. Their defense played the, probably the best – or I know for a fact it was the best game they played all year. But there's a reason for that. I mean, if you look at Alabama's offensive line, it's been something I've talked about since the LSU game. I mean, even since earlier games, especially when they played against Florida where they barely won by two – their offensive line has some holes in it. It's way different than last year. It's what I keep trying to tell people. When you lose that much talent that they had last year where they completely just ran and threw all over everybody, and then you try to replace that, I mean, there's going to be holes somewhere. Well, the problem is the hole that they have is so glaring, I don't know how they end up doing later on in the year. They've been able to win and the last three games that they've won have only been by one possession. So the problem is when you're going to play a better team like Georgia this coming weekend, or if you do beat Georgia this week, you're going to play a team like you know Michigan or someone else, whoever you play, Cincinnati, are you going to be able to I mean, to plug that hole? And it's just so glaring. I just don't see how teams don't continue to attack it. Because Auburn did attack it, and they almost beat them. And that was with Auburn having basically no quarterback whatsoever. Auburn playing a second-string quarterback, and then he got hurt in that second half, and he was barely able to walk. I mean, he wasn't able to run the whole entire second half. They barely passed the ball whatsoever. I mean, it was a gutsy performance by him even staying in there, but obviously the only reason he was even in there is because you don't, they don't trust whoever was even behind him sitting on the bench. So, I mean, they figured they'd rather go out there with a hobble quarterback than put someone else in. So, uh, But Auburn just, I mean, their defensive line, they blitzed so much in this matchup, was able to get pressure on Bryce Young to a tune of seven sacks. I mean, that's just huge, and it's not the first time that we've seen Bryce Young being sacked a lot. And that's even with him being mobile when he can he can move out of the pocket. He can run and scramble, but they were still able to get seven on him and chase him down with the Auburn defense that is still not one of the better ones we've seen there over the last couple of years. But when it came down to it later in that game, we finally saw – where that Alabama depth really kept up against that Auburn depth, where we knew that Auburn was still not the team that could compete in this matchup. We finally saw it come where Auburn was up 10-0 going into the fourth. All of a sudden, Alabama gets a field goal. It's 10-3. Auburn can't really get nothing going on offense. I mean, they didn't get much going on offense this whole game. You're not able to throw the ball. You don't have a quarterback that's mobile. It becomes very hard. I mean, they didn't get much at all. I mean, they had 137 yards total from their quarterback. They had 29 carries from, and 63 yards from Tank Bigsby. That's all you got. So there's basically no offense this whole entire game from them. But they were they were timely when they did score. They ended up, like I said, 10-0. Then it went 10-3. They couldn't get nothing on the last couple of drives where their defense stepped up and got the ball back. Alabama gets the ball with just a couple of minutes left. I mean, a minute 39, whatever, a minute 40. Bryce Young... Being the NFL caliber quarterback that he's going to I mean, he's going to be one of the better ones. I mean, they've been able just to churn out quarterbacks year after year after year there at Alabama, and this one's no different. He takes the team on a 97-yard drive and is able to hit a 28-yard pass into the right corner of the end zone, hits the dude, ties the game. They go to overtime, and we're sitting here expecting it. I mean, I was over here expecting it just to be a one-overtime, but Auburn just kept fighting, kept fighting. Was able to score when Alabama scored. They finally got to four overtimes. Auburn couldn't get the two-point conversion. And then Mechie does what Mechie does. He runs a perfect route. Bryce Young finds him in the left side of the end zone to walk in for a two-point conversion, able to win it in four overtimes. So that was a big win for Alabama overall. It wasn't a pretty win, though, if you look at it. It's what a lot of people would call a struggle win. 
and but they won. I mean that's I mean that's really all you can say about it. And when you look at it, they have had moments where it has been one possession games where they have struggled, where they haven't looked that great, where the defense has struggled, and their defense uh, was it looked decent in this game. But also, I think that was a combination of Auburn's offense being so bad. That's why I didn't expect Auburn to score but twenty one in this matchup. They got twenty two, but it took four overtimes. But looking at it, their defense has kind of been very up and down. Their offense performed, I mean, about how you, I mean, not about how you would expect this whole first three quarters, but the fourth quarter they really turned it up, was able to get in there. So there's been moments where they've had these one possession games and then the defense has stepped up at times and then the offense has taken over when they've needed to to be able to pull out a win. We saw it against Arkansas last week where the offense had to keep basically just outscoring that uh, that Razorback offense against Arkansas and then against LSU, the offense couldn't get anything going then, and the defense had to step up. So it's been whenever they just needed it, one side or the other has stepped up. The problem is, though, and this is the same scenario that I you know, gave with a couple other teams, you're sitting here looking at it, Does do you have that when you go up against a really good football team? And we're going to find out this week when they play Georgia, because to me it just seems like a bad matchup when you piece those two teams against each other. You have Georgia who can play really good physical offense. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. Alabama defense has been shaky, especially when you play a team that has balance and can find balance. And now you got a mobile quarterback with Georgia there with Stetson Bennett you have to factor in. And then on the defensive side for Georgia, you can continue just to throw guys and throw guys and throw guys at that right side of the line where it's very vulnerable and be able to get in there and put pressure on Bryce Young the whole whole game. And here's another thing a lot of people forgot to talk about. I don't think Alabama would have had as much problem coming back in that game if Jamison Williams hadn't got taken out with that targeting penalty earlier on. Do I think that it was still would have been close? They wouldn't have scored much? Yeah, because they were still struggling even before Jamison Williams got, got I mean, ejected from the game because of the targeting penalty. I think they would have figured it out sooner. So that's going to help them having him back next week. The problem is, though, you only have – to me, he's really the only – I used to say game playmaking playmaking difference when it comes to that Alabama offense this year. Him and Bryce Young, the offensive line is shaky. They don't have a very strong. I mean, the the run game is there. It's been very inconsistent. We didn't get much from them in this one either. Now their starter and Brian Robinson, he's hurt, and they're not expecting him. There's a possibility that he may not even play this weekend against Georgia. So now you're going to the backup now. So. The only real two big playmaking difference you have Bryce Young as the quarterback and then Jamison Williams as the receiver. So. Mechie, he's good, but he just hasn't been able to be as good when without well, basically when the attention's on him. And we saw that he was he wasn't even the one to step up and make the big catch last night. It was it was someone else in the receiving core. And so I mean, it's just going to be interesting. You only have one versus the three or four that you normally had, and this Georgia defense is the best you've ever seen it. So to me, it just seems like a bad matchup for Alabama this week. So it's going to be very interesting. We'll preview it more later on during the week. But we got some good ones that are coming up this weekend when it comes down to it. And this whole week is just gonna this whole weekend in the conference championships is just is gonna decide who is the top four in the college football playoff, who misses out, and there's gonna be a lot of controversy. I mean, you're either gonna have a Notre Dame sitting out, you're gonna have some other p- people sitting here with possibly two losses if things get crazy, where they're gonna say a like, two loss Ohio State would be better than Notre Dame or I mean, you can go down the list. They'll say Cincinnati shouldn't have got in because they're they're a non-power five team, which I mean, I'm not saying any of those those reasons are wrong. There's got some stuff to it, but that's why I always continually say we need expansion. We need to get to the point 
where these teams can fight it down on the field instead of a committee fighting it out in a conference room. So that's where that's where we need to get. But that's the game recap for this week. Obviously, we'll preview some more of these. Uh, we'll preview all of the conference championship games later in the week. But <clears throat> outside of that, the only last thing we're going to talk about real quick is just the, the move from Billy Napier headed to Florida as the new head coach there leaving Louisiana. They've been consistently good over the last couple of years there at Louisiana. He's been able to get the top recruiting class in the Sun Belt over the last three years, and that's exactly what Florida was looking at when it came down to it because they have not been able to recruit well, and that's really hurt them when you play a team like Georgia, and that's why they continually lose to Georgia because Georgia has all the athletes, and you you can't really win in college football. You can't really win anywhere unless you have athletes. I mean, any league, that's why everyone's always trying to sign the best. They're willing to spend a lot. Obviously, you can't spend in college football, but they're still going after the best players because of the recruiting staff that Kirby Smart has there at Georgia and because of himself, the type of style that they play. Players want to go play for him. They've skipped out on Florida. That was the case with Dan Mullen. It didn't help that Dan Mullen could care less about recruiting, and it was shown in some of his comments later in the year, which is a key factor in why I think he was fired. But now you bring in a guy that has been able to recruit decently over in the Sun Belt. You bring him in, they expect him with their, the connections that he's had. I mean, we saw him as a wide receivers coach at Alabama. We've seen him at Clemson. I mean, we've, we've seen him at different roles over the years where he's been able to be at some of these bigger programs and they want that stuff to carry over now and be able to recruit some big-name players at Florida. So, I mean, personally, I think it's the probably the best hire they could have got outside of, I mean, obviously Lincoln Riley, but he doesn't want to come there because he doesn't want to deal with that type of pressure. And I think that's another factor of why Lincoln Riley went to USC. He does not want to play in the SEC. I think that's a big factor. So there's obviously more pressure when that comes into it. But now Billy Napier comes over. He's got, I mean, you got a program like Florida who can be a big name. you got the opportunity there to build off of it. The question is, though, are you going to be able to be competitive with Georgia when it comes to recruiting? And I think it's going to be very hard because you're building up off the ground at the time where Georgia's hitting its peak with Kirby Smart, where Georgia could potentially, I mean, compete for national championships year after year, which they pretty much are in that conversation already every year for the last couple of years. Where that At that point now where those five stars are just turning in and out, the question is, are you going to be able to steal some? I mean, can you at least keep recruits in Florida at Florida at the university? And so that's just something that's going to have, we're going to have to wait and see on. But if he can do that, obviously they'll be fine. But I don't know if he, he's going to be able to out-recruit Kirby. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to be able to out-recruit, out-recruit Kirby over the next couple of years. He's done such a phenomenal job in that aspect, and we're seeing the results of it now. So personally, I think he'll – I think Florida will finally get some stability there. I think he's a quarterback. I mean, he's a coach that can bring some stability to the program. But when I say stability, I think it's going to be a consistent 10 and 2, 9 and 3, 8 and 4 type of season where you have decent players, you could potentially upset some teams that you play, but ultimately you're not really competitive for a SEC championship or competitive in the national spotlight. So and that's what really, really what I expect out of him. I mean, I think he'll stay longer than Dan Mullen. I mean, Dan Mullen was – I mean, just the floor just basically fell out underneath him. So unless that happens to Billy Napier, I think you'll see him there for at least four or five years. We saw Dan there for four. So I think you could see Billy Napier for probably about the same amount of time as long as the floor doesn't fall out before then, which, I, don't, I mean, you can't really get much lower than what they're at now. So – He'll be there for a couple of years. I think you'll see some of the same results. I, th- I mean, he could possibly even be there even longer, depending on if they can, you know, potentially have one season where he goes eleven and one, and they end up getting to an SEC championship or something of that caliber. But 
all this just has to be remains to be seen, but uh, it's something we'll keep an eye on, obviously, over the next couple of years, something that is going to be interesting to see if they can even be competitive anytime soon in the SEC East because now they're, I mean, they're the floorboard of the East outside of Vanderbilt, So, and that's not really saying much. So, But with that said, though, that's today's show. Thank you for joining us today on this Monday morning. Uh, we'll have our politics episode tomorrow. Got some new information that's coming out of that. Some stuff will break down tomorrow morning. But today, also before we close out, I'm going to say today is Cyber Monday. We're having some sales in our item shop. So make sure you go check those out. Get your Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. Get some merch that supports us here at Revolution Sports. A lot of Some of it's half price. Some of it's... Uh, you know, seven, eight dollars marked off. They're, none of it's really expensive in the first place, but you buy it, we'll ship it to you however you, you know, however you like it, wherever you like it. So, with that said, though, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you in tomorrow's episode.